0: Let's go to the Word of God, the book of Numbers, chapter 11 on this morning. The book of Numbers, chapter 11, verse uh, 16. What I'll do, I'll read verse 16 and 17, but I'll give you the ESPN highlights of verse 1 through 16, all right? Are you with me this morning in Numbers, chapter 11? I don't often preach from the Old Testament uh, on a Sunday morning, but I-, I think it's important today to hear from Numbers, uh, chapter 11 on this morning. Here's what the Bible reads, verse 16, Numbers, chapter 11 on this morning all right let's look at verse 16 so the Lord said to Moses gather to me 70 men of the elders of Israel whom you know to be elders of the people and officers over them bring them to the tabernacle of the meeting that they may stand I don't know if you have the pen with you but if you can't circle the word stand that they may stand there uh, with you right uh, and then I will come down and I will talk to you there. Hmm. I will take of the spirit. I don't know in your Bible, but in my Bible, in the New International, excuse me, the New King James Version, the word spirit is capitalized, which project a person, not just a personality, but a person. Watch this. That the spirit, or that I will take of the spirit, That is upon you, and I will put the same on them, and they shall be, or they shall bear the burden of the people with that you may not bear it by yourself alone. Once again, I will take the spirit that is upon, and I will put the same on these seventy elders. That they may bear the burden and that you may not bear it alone. That you may not bear it alone. Please understand, this is not the first time God deals with Moses as it relates to the burden of the people. Time won't permit, but if I, if I had the time, I'd look at Exodus 18. You remember Jethro Moses, father-in-law says Jethro comes and says, Moses, I've been looking at you from the distance and what you're doing is not good. He says from morning to evening, you're judging all of the matters of Israel and Israel at that time had the approximation of 2 million members. He says from morning to evening, you're judging not only all of the big cases, but you're also judging all of the smaller cases. And if I'm not mistaken, There are certain language in Exodus 18 that bears witness today. He says, number one, what you're doing is not good. For you will wear yourself out, talking about burnout. Number two, um, you will wear out the few people that are with you, right? Uh, Number three, uh, you will not minister to the whole of Israel. He says, here's what you need to do. Take the church, break them into groups of hundreds of fifties, of twenties, and of tens. It's not like we count money, right? Hundreds, fifties, twenties, and tens, and make them small groups. And the heavier matters, your elders and your leaders should judge and govern. Some of the smaller things in the church are in community, equip and empower other people to do the work of ministry. Then the Lord, will be pleased, then you'll live longer, then there'll be equity in the house. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but that was the model of Exodus 18. Small groups, small groups, small groups. Numbers chapter 11, Same Moses, right? But the context has changed here. Instead of um, Moses being because of his lack of leadership delegation, there's another problem unfortunately the problem is not with the leader it's with the people when you read numbers 11 verse 1 it starts with the people complaining they were complaining why were they complaining because they had one head or excuse me they had one eye looking forward but they had another eye looking backwards they were trying to go forward with the move of god the voice of god the man of god we're kind of remembering what life was back back in egypt in fact, verse five says, "You know, when we were in Egypt, we had three square meals a day. We had all of the tilapia, we had all of the sea bass, we had all of the catfish fillet, we had all of the brim, all of the bone and croaker we could want." Now you're looking at me like I'm making this stuff up. All right, since you don't believe me, come on, verse five, right? Uh, we remembered the fish. We ate freely in Egypt. Wasn't just fish though. They had cucumbers. Watermelon, well, it doesn't say water, but it does say melon. Could have been watermelon, could have been honeydew melon. Uh, uh, They had leeks, uh, onions, and they had a little bit of garlic bread from time to time. I'm reading the Bible, I'm reading the Bible, but now our whole being is dried up. For there is nothing except this manna. Circle the word manna, see, understand this manna. Was a special provision from God. Every morning when they woke up, he would take some manna that fell from heaven, mix it with the dew that was on the earth, and all of Israel was fed. Here's a problem: manna wasn't sexy, manna wasn't attractive, manna wasn't filet mignon, manna wasn't tasty, but it did keep their bellies fed. But Israel had a, they're at a, 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 a they're they're at a crossroad because they understand they're walking by faith. But every once in a while, they want to look back in their lives of yesterday. And they say, yeah, we had all the fish we could have wanted in Egypt, but you were still in oppression. You were still in lack. You were still in slavery. And the chains and shackles may not be on our arms and wrists and ankles, but sometimes the chains are still on our mind. And sometimes even on our soul. And so Moses has to intercede for the people because God is angry. So not only did the people complain, the Bible says God's anger got aroused and it began to set a fire the camp. Now he didn't burn the whole church up, but he did start on the outside working his way in. He did start on the outside judging, working his way in, right? And so the people go to Moses and Moses goes into prayer and he prays that God would stop the fire. You know what? God stopped, verse six, the fire. They're still complaining about the manna, so God says, you know what, here's what I'm gonna do. Since you want meat, I'm gonna give you what you asked for. I'm gonna give you more meat than you'd ever handle. In fact, the Bible says, and I'm not paraphrasing this, but the Bible says I'm gonna give you so much meat it's gonna come out your ears. I better find that scripture, because you see, when I say stuff like that, you're looking at me like I'm making this stuff up, right? Let's see, verse, verse 10, 11, uh-huh, verse 12, where does it say? He says, yeah, I'm, I'm reading, I'm reading, I'm reading. Okay, maybe it's a little bit further down. Yeah, verse 18, so then you shall say to the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow, and you shall eat meat. For you who have wept in the hearing of the Lord, saying, who will give us meat to eat? For it is well with, uh, uh, For it was well with us in Egypt, therefore the Lord will give you meat, and you shall eat meat. In fact, you shall eat meat not one day, not two days, not five days, nor 10, nor 20, but for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and becomes loathsome. for. You better be very careful what you ask God for. Okay, be very careful what you complain complained about. For you have despised the Lord who is among you, who has wept before him, saying, uh, why did we ever come out of Egypt? I don't, I, I don't know how I'm gonna get back on small groups after this uh, uh, sermon that I'm butchering right now in front of the people. <laughs> I wanna talk for the third part of this series, the miracle of small group, okay? I'm not throwing off, I'm not casting no shade on nobody about complaining and murmuring, but I will remind you of scripture. Be very careful when it comes to murmuring and complaining. Whether it's in your home, your family, marriage, money, your boss, supervisor, Siblings uh, worrying does us no good. Bible says, be anxious for nothing or don't worry about a thing, right? But, but, but what we are to do is to pray, is to hear from heaven and to stand. Let's go back to our outlines i don't know how many of you have outlines this morning if you don't have them just we're going to create a a virtual outline in your head okay because we won't have time to pass all of them out so what we did this morning instead of having a new outline we thought about stewardship we thought about recycling and so i just want to pick up where we left off from last sunday right i just want to make sure all of the blanks are filled because i want to complete the task but 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 my prayer is that you understand not just the letter of the word, but the spirit of the word. In fact, the Bible says that the letter killeth, but the spirit gives light. I want to talk about the miracles of small groups. God Performed a miracle in Exodus 18 through the advice of Jethro, Moses' father-in-law. In the book of Numbers, chapter 11, we see another phenomenon where God takes the spirit that is on the leader and He puts it on the people. Why? Because there was something God was doing not just with man. Oh, I wish I had time. You know what? I, I may have a little bit time to preach this this morning. Um, how important was it for Israel? not to complain and murmur. How important, if you remember, if you recall a couple of weeks ago, we talked about obedience, right? We talked about the value of being obedient, the blessings of being obedient. It's not enough for you to window shop in the church. One of the reasons Elder Hall, I wanted you not to sing so much, because I don't want you to get tired again. You're so honoring and so a blessing to the We don't want to weigh you out again. We'll wear Moses out. I wish we had a B-shift or a C-shift or a second team or a third team in the multimedia room so they can take a layoff and take a break and take a sabbatical, and take their vacation and we don't miss a beat. I hate that one hour really throws a whole thing off kilter. And so in the days of Israel, people were complaining, people were murmuring. But then chapter 12, we see another little situation happening. Go to chapter 12, stay in Numbers, go to chapter 12 and then we'll go back to small groups, right? Because I see small groups everywhere. I see small groups everywhere. Here's another small group. you'll like this one. Uh, numbers 12 and one. Because Miriam, I'm so glad your name is Marion and not Miriam. So then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Pastor Moses. <laughs> because of that black woman uh, he had married uh, uh, y'all, are you reading the Bible? You know she could have been white from Ethiopia. Now some countries in Africa, maybe so, but not Ethiopia. Not Ethiopia. That is the land of the Cushites, right? So not only was she fair-skinned, she was dark-skinned, fair-skinned. So, again, you're looking at me like I'm making this stuff up. Read the Bible. Read. It is better than any soap opera. It's going to be better than any reality show. The Bachelor, American Idol, Shark Tank. Read the Bible. All right? So Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses. Why? Come on, talk to me now. Why? Because of that Ethiopian Kush, and the word Cush means burnt face, by the way, in the Hebrew, because of a burnt-faced Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. can't get no more clear than that. These folk got problems because you're interracing us. You're mixing the breeze here. Shame on you, Moses. But you gotta remember, Moses may have been raised in the palace, but Moses was really from the hood. But he was just going back to his true colors. He may have been groomed in the palace with regal and royal background. But you got to remember now, Moses was was shipped up the river in a little basket. if you ain't going to read the Bible, at least watch the Ten Commandments on TV. I remember that much from TV. Ben-Hur, is that right? Yeah, okay, Ben-Hur, yeah. Uh, And watch this, (laughs) watch this. Verse 3, and so the man Moses was very humble more than any man who were on the face of the earth. You know who wrote the book of Numbers? Moses. You won't, you'll catch it later. Uh, you'll catch it later. But this humble man wrote of himself, all right? <laughs> he was very humble, not just humble. He was very humble. Thank you, uh, Mr. Humble, Moses, you. Uh, more than any other man uh, on the face of the earth. Suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, I want to have a small group meeting. Come out, so the three to the church, and so the three came out. And then the Lord came down in a pillar pillar of cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle. He said, Aaron, Miriam, you small group leaders, you, Uh, and they both went forward. he said, now hear this, my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision, and I speak to him in a dream, but not so with my servant Moses. For he is faithful in all of my house. Him, I speak with him face to face. Even plainly, not in dark sayings, for he sees the form of the Lord. Why? Why? God asked. Why then were you not afraid to speak against Moses? So the anger of the Lord was aroused against them, and he departed. And when the cloud departed from the tabernacle, suddenly Miriam became a leper. She became white as snow. And she criticized a woman who was black, now she's white as snow. I, I, okay, I'm just, I'm, I know I'm meddling when I do stuff like that, but y'all just bear with me, just, just work with me, okay? Yeah, <laughs> um, well, watch this. And Aaron turned toward Miriam, and there she was, a leper. And so Aaron said, Moses, oh my Lord Moses, Please do not lay this sin upon us, which we have done so foolishly and in the, and, and which we have sinned. Please don't let her be as, as one who's dead, whose flesh is half consumed when she came out of her mother's womb. And so Moses cried out to the Lord saying, please heal her God, I pray. And the Lord said to Moses, if her father would have spit on her face, she wouldn't have been ashamed. But so seven days, let her shut out, or let her be shut out of the camp seven days and afterwards, I will receive her again. Let me say this to you. I'm gonna go on. I believe when you, the man of God, when you, the woman of God, number one, forgive, release, and pray for others. God hears your prayer. He sees your tears, and he'll honor your request. I don't think Miriam or Aaron had a had a had a prayer that could have gone to the ceiling of the room they were in. But Moses prayed. And God says, you know what? I can't, I can't reverse the decision ultimately, but here's what I'll do. Seven days she'll learn her lesson and then we'll let her back into the camp. I'm here to tell you today that no matter who's hurt you, no matter who's defies you, the Bible says, blessed are those when others revile you or persecute you to show them love and learn to pray for them that spitefully use you god ain't surprised god is not caught off guard when somebody does something to one of his children Uh, god knows exactly how to deal therefore you don't have to go fight fire with fire vengeance is mine saith the lord all you gotta do is take the high road learn to bless those that persecute you learn to pray for those that are hurting you learn to love on those that you know are hating on you Because God knows exactly how to get them in check and deal with them. Again, these are small group dynamics. I talked a few weeks ago about Korah. You know Korah. Korah was one of the other small group leaders who defied leadership, went on his own. And the Bible says the earth opened up and swallowed Korah and the men who had joined him. Though Korah, great-great-granddad, is dead, his sons now are in the ministry teaching and writing psalms that we read to this very day a psalm of korah though granddad had his lesson those young sons and grandsons and great grandsons learned to walk in healing and redemption and restoration there are a lot of things that can happen when small groups are in place bible says if a man sins or or better yet if a man has an offense bring him or go to him personally face to face matthew 18 go to him personally face to face if he is not received take a witness or two with you big matters should never really come to the church until they come to a small group Amen. or an elders council or a minister's circle or an elders wives class or a Sunday school or whatever those small group dynamics are it would save balance and, and, and energy from everybody if we were all involved in the work of ministry I'm going somewhere with this. when you look at small group dynamics a lot can happen unfortunately I've given you a couple of negative things that we see in the Old Testament but it was still ministry People learned, people realized from others. And I really believe that the whole church got healthier. The whole church had got a perspective. And what happens when that brother who has sinned or that sister who is offended is still not put in check by the one, two or three, then the Bible says, bring them for the whole church. Yeah. And if they still don't get it right, put them out of the church. We don't hear that type of language in 2020. We're so desperate to have members and so desperate to have people in the chairs and have people paying offers and tithes, we just put up with anything in the church. But true church order and true church discipline said, there comes a time, there comes a place where small group dynamics can serve its best. If you have the outline today, I want you to fill in these blanks because it's important to me that we do bring closure to this teaching today. We talked about small groups. City Life groups are community-based groups whose primary purpose are to develop spiritual growth. Okay? We're not necessarily looking at numerical growth, certainly not looking at financial growth, but we're really focusing on spiritual growth because I believe that when spiritual growth is in order, Everything else will fall in place. Okay? Everything else. Um, Elder Hunt, if you don't mind, I, I see a group of folks huddling. I don't know if they're talking, doing work, or business, but can you just remind them we in church this morning? They're in the foyer. I was going to send somebody else, but I don't want to kill them. Uh, just lo- <laughs> I just lovingly remind them uh, uh, Moses is teaching right now, you know what I'm saying, you know what I'm saying. Okay, now I'm just saying, now just tell them that we have not church. So I don't know what's, if it's an emergency or business going on, but when I see people clustered up while I'm teaching, I, I, I'm not mature yet, all right? I, I'm still growing as a preacher. Now, all right, uh, so pastors and preachers in This class, don't do what I just did, right? Just keep focused and don't look at their faces while you're teaching and preaching. So small groups, we, we want to spiritually grow and healthy relationships, Right? Healthy relationships ain't happening on Sunday mornings. It can start, it can be encouraged, but true relationship happens through the test of time and the test of life. What do you mean by that? True relationships are strengthened in good times and in bad times. Times of celebration and times of mourning. True relationships is to find out you're not the only parent who's having challenges with your child, but you're resourcing one another, praying for one another, helping one another. True relationships can be strengthened when you find out you're not the only single parent trying to buy your first time home, but somebody else is doing that. And you've got a group together and you can help and source and and pray and and encourage one another. I I had a piece of paper I was gonna throw away a couple of weeks ago, but I kept it because I wrote down a whole lot of hand notes and I said, what can small groups evolve in if you put your passion and your purpose together and for 90 days open your home, host a meeting at a local coffee house, Uh, just try. Do a little online advertisement, do a little bit of social media work. Hey, meet me and so-and-so at nine o'clock on Wednesday. We're gonna talk about fitness and health. Hey, meet me Saturday mornings at 10. This is a men's only deal at Trine House. We're gonna have just men on it. We're gonna talk about men in, in their marriage. Uh, you know, I, I wrote down stuff like dating groups and traveling groups, hobbies and interests. Of course, we talk about fitness and wellness, but you know, what are you like talking about? What do you involve yourself in doing? Because I believe that if we can take people ultimately to the cross, we could talk about the fish and the loaves and the bread. We can do the things that Jesus did. He didn't immediately say, let's go to Jerusalem and down the cross. He said, let's go fishing. He caught Peter at his greatest strength. He's a fisherman. This is how he makes his living. I can help you add more return on the dollar than what you're currently getting. And that got Peter's attention. So throughout the gospels, we see Jesus ministering and talking and he never really met a person he didn't give a look to or have a talk with. And this is what I love so much about Jesus. I'm going back. I, I read a scripture this past week. I, I don't even know where it was. It's, I know it's in Luke, it's Luke somewhere chapter 19 to 20, but the Bible says that Jesus stopped. I know what it was. It was when he was coming through Jericho and the, and, and the blind man cried out, son of David, can you heal me? And the Bible says Jesus stopped. That may not woo you over, but he was in a crowd. He was headed to Jerusalem. He's on a mission. He's got to go. There's a million people following him. But he heard somebody cry out, and he stopped. And it caused me to look back and say, God, I'm so glad you stopped for me. I'm so glad. But all of the things you got going on in the world, you paused long enough check on me there's so many needs that people have throughout the world so many global impactful things so many small things but Jesus stopped long enough to hear what was going on with this young man and he said go cuz your faith has made you well I think that's the value of small groups, because it's really hard to stop on Sundays when you're so many things happening but in your home (laughs) on a zoom conference call Add a Panera Bread, you can pause and talk about life. Some of you have been here for years, and you remember years ago, years ago, we used to ask that question, how you doing? And after that question was answered, we'd come back and say, now, how you really doing? Because oftentimes, it's that second question that causes someone to say, you know, I really appreciate you asking me that, because um, we got some things going on. I, I really don't know who to talk to. My fear is when men in the church go through private, personal things, and the first thing they want to say is no one would talk to me, no one would visit me, no one cared enough. And as empathetic as we want to be and as prayerful as we want to be, there's a little rebuttal there that says, wait a minute now, you've had every opportunity to be in a small group, every opportunity to join a team, every opportunity to connect here and there, but you chose to be isolated, you chose to be independent. We're trying to help you, and that's one of the taglines we came up with about three weeks ago. Help the church help you. Everybody okay so far? Everybody all right? Help the church help you. Simple as that. I'm not perfect. No one in this church has arrived. We're all still growing. I just want to see a show of hands. We're all still growing. All right, let me see. Way in the back. Yeah, we're all still growing. We don't know all the answers, but we're willing to help you on your journey. My wife and I sat down with a young lady this past week and all I said was, hey, it doesn't matter where you're at. We're gonna help you on your journey. We're gonna help you on your journey. And I think when people genuinely know that you care for them, they're willing to open up and say, I trust you and the Lord and with this Bible, we could continue the journey. To me, that's what small groups is all about. Let's go back real quick. I want to fill in a couple more blanks. I think about Acts 20 and 20. The Bible says Paul, although Luke writes Acts, he's really quoting what Paul said in Acts 20. I kept nothing back from you that was helpful, but I proclaimed it to you, and I taught you publicly and from house to house. Okay? That validates me, to me, the public gathering of church but it also validates the value and the necessity of small groups, house to house. Life groups are groups of two or three or more, right? We we, we wanna keep them, however, no more than 10 to 12. I realize we have some groups that have been around for a long time and you're in the 30s and 40s and 50s. That's good and we're okay with all that, but eventually I'd like to see you challenged to take that group and start dividing in twos or by threes because you don't want to lose the principle and the value of what a small group can do. You don't want to become counterproductive, right? And you don't want to become counterintuitive and totally go against what a small group is meant to be. Bible says in Matthew 18, uh, or oh, verse 20, for where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there in the midst of them. We are so anti-small. Our world is anti-small. Everything is big, big government, big schools, big money, big house, big car, big SUV, big everything. Well, here's for a moment in a change where small is actually better. So the goal is not to keep building, building, building bigger groups. No, no, no. Actually, the goal is to keep a small group. And when that group does get 10, 12, 15, 20, maybe now it's time to start thinking about dividing that group, just like our bodies do with cells, divide that cell so it can keep the germane, organic feel of a small group. It will be impossible to cultivate relationships when there's 50 people in the room in an hour and 15 minutes. Not everyone's needs can be met like that. So it is intentionally saying small, Romans sixteen five. I gave my greetings to the church that meets in their home. Once again, nothing wrong with ministry being done in the home. Now, what do we know about small groups? They are designed to reach the unsaved and the unchurched through friends who already have friends in the community. In other words, don't be embarrassed, ashamed, hesitant, or, or, or reserved, When it comes to inviting people who don't know the Lord to your group, we become very uncomfortable around folk who ain't saved. Because we've been so, what's the word, we've been so um, uh, 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 insulated uh, with ourselves and church folk and Christians, uh, we don't kind of know how to get along with people who ain't saved. But this is an opportunity now for you to reach out, show love, warm a fire, invite someone in, and show some unusual kindness. That's the goal of small groups. So, with that being said, I want to keep moving. Let's talk about real quick the vision of small groups and the mission of small groups, and then we'll find a way to close. First closing, by the way, right? Uh, here's the reason why we're here. To see every person, fill in the blank, please. To, to, to see every person from the very core of the church, that is, every pastor, every elder, every staff, every board, every member, to the newest member, to the visitor. Every person, would you say every person? from the very core of the church to the ever-growing community connected in a healthy, life-changing small group. That's the vision. When will we stop? Until that vision has been realized. In fact, we're trying to create a culture to even if you're visiting, I don't wanna join the church. I'm not a member of the church, but I do like going to that small group. You know what? That's perfectly fine. We're glad you're with us. We wanna make that perfectly clear, okay? Here's the mission. The mission is of City Life Groups to help all people become transformed Make no mistake about it, we're not trying to create many social clubs. We're not trying to create a new reality TV show. The Bachelorette, The Bachelor, this wives' club, that wives' club, we, let's save that for the world and let the world have that on TV, okay? We are in the business of seeing lives transformed. Someone say amen. Are you with me still? I honor, always, always honor our dear friends from Liberia. They've been such a strength, such a constant support of this church for. 20-plus years, and I see that we're even in their own national uh, platform, they can have so many small groups, not just Liberia, but all countries that are represented in this church. I sat at a table yesterday, my daughter was at a, a college admissions dinner fellowship and uh, she sat with the kids and I sat with the parents, and at that table there was someone from Nigeria, somebody from Columbia, somebody from uh, Houston, and this lady was from up in the Boone or Blowing Rock area. and. You know, I, I don't know their background, I don't know if they walk with the Lord, if they know the Lord or not, it didn't matter to me. We were all bragging on our kids, right? And not only were we bragging on our kids, but we got a chance to talk about our story. Come to find out the lady sitting next to me, not only was she from the same city as me, she was from the same neighborhood as me. Her grandmother came from the same uh uh town that my daddy grew up in in the wee country of Gonzales, Texas. And I'm thinking, why? Wow. She knows the same meat market with a sausage link came from, they call it butchery, and somewhere none of y'all have ever heard of, by the way. And I'm saying, wow, what we have story intertwined. and don't even know it, right? Small groups gives us that platform to see lives transformed, and that's the business that we're in. Ephesians 4:16, "From whom the whole body is joined together, knitted by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share. Every member, every man, every woman, every single, every couple, every team, every." heart does its share one day you'll stand before heaven and God's gonna ask you to give an account of your life I I don't know if he's gonna I don't know if he's gonna be as interested about singing or ushering or even preaching as much as he's gonna want to kind of know whose life was impacted the Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify their, our Father in heaven. I, I don't know if he's gonna ask about the money we gave to the church. He might, he may not. I don't know if he's gonna ask what day you got baptized on, was it a, a, a Sunday or was it a Friday night shut-in? I don't know. But I believe that if we're going to hear him say, well done, like good. Faithful servant, enter the joy of the Lord. I think it all has to do, were you a part of seeing families' lives changed? And maybe you're not the extrovert who goes all over the place and talking to everybody and never met a stranger, but maybe your mission is your children. There is no poor man who has a godly mother, Abraham Lincoln. Maybe your mission is a group of young men as you mentor this group of young men. Maybe, you're, maybe your mission or your impact is is the homeless shelter. But my goal in the last few minutes that I have today is that you have, you receive a a challenge and you receive, and you make a greater commitment to being in a culture, being in an apparatus where now you can practically easily touch others for the glory of God. And I can't emphasize this point enough. I was trying to get to this last week, I could never turn this corner. The goal, the vision, and the mission is that people's lives are transformed. How better can a life be transformed Unless they hear your life. You mean to tell me you haven't always been who you are? Wow. I would have never seen that on Sunday morning. You mean to tell me you two went through this and that? Wow. You mean to tell me God has, you will never know on a Sunday morning. But in a small group, as relationships are being built, as trust is being earned, right? Right, okay? Life can happen. Everyone needs a spiritual family. Everyone needs a small group. Speaking of small groups, let me give you three reasons why you need a small group. Three reasons real quick why you need a small group. Number one, City Life Groups help, helps, helps, helps ensure spiritual growth and development. I've said it so many times, I'll say it again. I believe that small groups can be a delivery system of spiritual growth and development. What does that mean? You'll learn how to read the word together. You'll learn how to pray together. Sometimes we learn by behavior and by moder- uh, monitoring others and observing others. you learn how to read and study the Bible together. You'll learn how to deal with topical issues and have dialogue. Uh, uh, I, I, I'm not the best looking guy in the world, but would you look at me for one moment? Just look at me for one moment. Everybody look at me for one moment. Look at that, look at, look, look at the type of environment we're in. What you see today is one of, uh, one of two last remaining institutions where someone faces another group in a parallel classroom style speaking. Almost every other institution, almost every other paradigm of communication has gone away from one person speaking and everyone listening. Most people now meet in circles. Most classrooms now, except the traditional ones, there are circle learning styles, right? When you go to your job, there are certain job environments now where you're sitting, not necessarily at a desk in a cubicle by yourself, but you're at planning tables huddles and hubs. And so what small groups does, it gets you out of this platform of one man talking and everyone listening. Now you're in a place where everyone is together around a cup of coffee, around a pizza, around a Bible, a book, a Bible study, and now everyone's contributing. When you come to our leadership classes on Saturday, it's not just me preaching and teaching or the teacher teaching and preaching. There's gonna be a time of homework. There's gonna be a time of dialogue. There's gonna be a time of small groups, whether we're in person or even online. Even online, you can hit one button, and all everybody on the call can go into a separate, small, small group. Because there's something about people dialoguing one to another. Most of us learn better, not in a classroom environment such as this. You learn better as you're sitting in a smaller group talking and dialoguing with one another. Why not bring that to the church in a small group? It's all throughout the Old Testament, all throughout the New Testament. Number two, city life groups create a culture, a culture of relational significance and authentic fellowship. They fellowship together. They studied the Bible. They prayed for one another. I love what Hebrews 11, excuse me, Hebrews 10 says, let us not give up on meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And all the more, as you see the day capital D." the day approaching. Let's not give up on going to church. Sundays are celebration moments for the church. That's when we all should come together and celebrate the goodness of the Lord and worship and receive. But Monday through Friday, or the Saturdays, there ought to be an opportunity where you come in small groups and you learn and cultivate these relationships. Third and finally, small, excuse me, City Life groups provide a place a place for spiritual gifts and talents to be exposed and activated. Now, uh, it's, 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 uh, 1146, I believe it is. I've been preaching for at least 25, 30 minutes by now. Only one person has been talking. Only one gift has probably been being exercised, but in a small group, everyone's gift can be cultivated. Everyone's gift can be nurtured. Everyone's gift can be released. Now here's where faith comes in at, because this is Vanessa. This is what what, what challenges me as it probably challenges many of you all. Sometimes you just get sick and tired of seeing the move of God in the book of Acts and wonder why we're not seeing it now. All right, we'll shout and dance and holler if a a hangnail get fixed and we feel a bit better in 10 minutes. What no hang, no testimonies in the book of Acts. People were raising from the dead. People who were crippled were walking straight again. People who had, been, who had been medically proven blind could see. And even if they didn't see the first time the right way, Jesus spit on them, they saw good the second time. But they saw those miracles. Putting fingers in their mouth and sticking them in the ear, now they can hear all of a sudden. Miracles. Things were happening, and, 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 and I, maybe it's just me, but I read the scriptures and I'm like, Lord, you're the same then as you are, that you are right now. What happened? What changed? I'll take it a step further. I'm going to Africa many, many times. You and our brothers and sisters in in East Africa, and you you go to the city, our our, our dear friend Pastor Tom, who's there right now, still preaching and ministry and doing the work of the Lord. Um, Man, you'll see some pretty, pretty phenomenal things in their services. And I'm not talking about just a bunch of hype and sensationalism. I mean, you see some stuff. But then again, guess what? They don't mind being in praise and worship for an hour and a half. They don't mind walking miles to church and you know how we go home and we may come back for the evening service. They'll just stay between the services right there at the church. They ain't going nowhere. When you go back to the hotel, get some sleep, come on back. and We'll be right here waiting on you. There's such a demand and there's such a hunger for the things of God. They say that the, the, the 1300s through the 1800s were some of the darkest years of Christendom. I don't know who told you that story. If you deep dive and go straight into the weeds of Christian history, you'll find out they were nothing about dark years. They were, if anything, they were light years of miracles happening. They're all type of Christian leaders that experienced miracles because someone was hungry. But now we're so cool, so casual, so relaxed. Take it or leave it. And I think that has put a precedence or unprecedented on the move of God. I say this, and I think I'm done. I am willing to believe you will see more miracles in small group settings than you will see on a Sunday morning. Now you have to go back and ask what are miracles in the Bible. I think and believe that if you're willing to walk, you will see more healings, more testimonies, more signs, more wonders, more activity. The word the book of Acts comes with the word activities. So when we look at the book of Acts. It's really the book of activities or the book of action. That's where the word acts comes from. The Acts of the Apostles, the activities of the Apostles, the action of people in small groups. Chapter 2 says they had nothing uncommon, they had everything together. They met daily in the temple. They broke bread together house to house. They ate the food with gladness and simplicity of heart. And the Lord added to the church every single day. So how could the Lord add to the church every day? Because they was having church every day. That's how. That's how. I got so many scriptures I can give you right now, hand notes. I could talk about how the Holy Spirit moved and came in. And I mean, Cornelius, Acts chapter 10. Folk were just there in the house, minding their own business, got filled with the Holy Ghost, all because they was in the house. They hadn't even gotten water baptized. I can take you to Acts chapter 8, where people who all they knew was the baptism of the name of Jesus. In other words, they heard, they'd heard gotten saved, but they didn't know anything about the power of the Holy Spirit. But because they were there, the Bible says they laid hands on them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. I know God can manifest more in your home setting than he can on a Sunday morning. I hope I'm stimulating your faith and I hope I'm provoking you to really go back and read scripture and ask the question, Lord, if the Bible says you're the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, how come we're not seeing today what we read in the Bible 2000 years ago? And sometimes when it becomes personal, now we're really talking about seeking the Lord. And I believe small groups can be that venue. So we ask you two things. Number one, pray uh, about being available for the Lord's use. Not the pastor's use, not the committee's use, not the church's use. I'm asking that you be available for the Lord's use. I don't know if this is on your outline or not, but here's a statement I wrote. If the church, if the city church has ministered to you and your family in some godly way, would you take or would you make a 90-day commitment to hosting or leading or at least participating in a small group? And if you can't host one, at least participate in one. Some of these groups meet once a week. Some will probably meet every two weeks, something like that frequently, I prefer once, no later than two week, two times every other week. I'm not asking for a year commitment. Please hear me, and I'm finished. You can, be, you can begin to play, I'm finished. I'm not asking for <laughs> a year commitment. I'm not even asking for six months commitment. But Obed Edom had that ark of the house of the covenant of the Lord in his house for 90 days. And within the 90 days period of time, God blessed everything that was in Obed Edom's house. My faith and prayer journey with you is if you'd hear the voice of the Lord, if you hear old pastor Moses preaching, allow the Lord to do something in your home that you've been praying for and believing God for. I wanna say thank you again for joining us today at the City Church YouTube channel. What a joy it is to be able to come into your home, come on your laptop, come on your iPad, your cell phone. On the behalf of my wife, Pastor Sharon, and all of the saints and friends of the City Church, I just wanna say thank you. You know, today I pray that something you heard in this message stirred your heart, provoked your faith, and blessed your soul. I believe with all my heart that God sent his word, and his word brings healing, Deliverance and breakthrough. Here's what I'd like to do today. I'd like to pray with you I want you to know there's nothing too hard for God in fact all things work together for the good of them that love God and are called According to his purpose the Bible reminds us that if any man be in Christ He's a new creature old things are passed away and you know what about 30 plus years ago God came into my life as a freshman on an HBCU college campus and I'm saved, sanctified, filled with God's precious Holy Spirit after all these years. Why? Because God's been faithful. He made a promise to his word, a promise to his covenant, a promise to me. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ and the pardon of your sins, you say, Pastor Mike, I'm a good person. I'm a really nice guy. I'm a great girl, but I just don't know Jesus and the pardon of my sins. I'd like to pray for you. And after all of these years, I've often instructed that salvation is as simple as As ABC. A, admit that you're a sinner. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. B, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that the Lord Jesus lived, he died, he was buried. Three days later, he rose again. C, commit your life, commit your heart to Jesus. After those ABCs, admit, believe, and commit. I believe that God comes into your life and you are a brand new creation, a brand new person in Jesus Christ. Let's pray together right now. Father, in Jesus name, I am a sinner and I want to get my heart right. I want to give my life completely to serving you. I do believe in my heart and I confess today with my mouth that Jesus is the Christ son of God, the living one. I want to commit my life to serving him and being all that i can be as a child of god i receive today the gift of salvation into my heart into my mind into my soul that my sins would be forgiven and that i will be washed by the precious blood of jesus christ lord fill me with the holy spirit that i may be a brand new christian i thank you for salvation thank you that my sins are forgiven thank you for a brand new life in the name of Jesus we ask and we pray. Amen. My dear friend, you may not realize this, but that is the prayer of salvation. Again, it's a very simple process, simple prayer. Now, it will cost you to live this Christian life, but the Bible reminds us that greater is he that is in you, or greater is he that is in me than he That is in the world. Listen, if you're in the Huntersville, that is the Charlotte, North Carolina area, we'd love for you to visit us on Sunday mornings, 10 a.m. sharp, for a dynamic worship experience. If you can't be in the area, join us online, www.mycitychurchonline.com. All the information is on the screen. In fact, I'd like you to email me write me. We want to send you some information on the decision you just made to serve the Lord. Maybe you're rededicating or recommitting your life to the Lord. We want to make sure that you can grow as a born-again committed believer. Again, I can't thank you enough for allowing us to be in your world on this day. May heaven smile upon you and may the Lord richly bless you. I'm Dr. Michael Anthony Stevens. On behalf of all of the saints and friends of City Church, we say welcome. Congratulations and God bless.